Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder of We Did It That Health, where our mission is to inspire hopeful curiosity in our friends and loved ones for a lifestyle that serves them, serves the planet, and animal compassion. So I have a very special guest with us today, uh, and I will introduce you. His This is Dr. Furman. Uh, Who's who's been a leader of in the whole food plant based world for decades? He, he is a board certified family physician, seven times New York Times best selling author, and internationally recognized expert on nutrition and natural healing. Dr. Furman will present the most critical and proven concepts that enable slowing of aging process, prevention of cancer and pro prolongation of life. Scientific evidence shows we can win the war on cancer and it, if with adhering to a diet style rich in anti-cancer phytochemicals, which also prevent dementia. Specializing in, pre in preventing and reversing disease through nutritional methods, Dr. Furman is the president of the Nutritional Research Foundation and on the faculty of Northern Arizona University Health Sciences Division. He coined the term nutritarian to describe the nutrient-dense eating style designed to prevent cancer, slow aging, and extend lifespan. With us today, Dr. Furman will discuss discuss how Americans can severely are severely deficient in anti-cancer dietary phytochemicals, why high-calorie, low-nutrient foods create food addictions and drive overeating habits. Advances in nutritional science in the last decade have been remarkable. For over 30 years, Dr. Furman has shown that it is possible to achieve sustainable weight loss and reverse heart disease, diabetes, and many other illnesses using smart nutrition. In his medical practice, Dr. Furman's Eat to Live retreat in San Diego and through his books and television specials, he continues to bring this life-saving message to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And with that, I will welcome Dr. Furman. Hello, Dr. Furman, and welcome. We are so pleased that you're here to share such important information. You have been an amazing leader in this, in this field. And I know I've seen you live several times, and I always enjoy your presentation. So thank you and welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to speaking today, and I'll be obviously giving some of the most important basic information and then opening up for questions at the end. And, and I hope people have a pen and paper ready so they can take some notes at the things that, are, that they can look into in more depth later. Now, Absolutely. before we get started, um, my most recent book is called Eat for Life, and that has more than 2,000 scientific references in it. There's some references given in this um, presentation, but if you need supportive data for work that you're doing, for a paper you're writing, a presentation you're giving, or just speaking to friends and family, I recommend that 
the, the reference has been much updated. And my Eat for Life is my latest book out of the 12 I've written, which has the most updated scientific references and uh, many of the most important scientific references from the um, world's literature. I've reviewed over 30,000 um, scientific studies to cull out the best 2,000 that show that it's not, there's not a lot of controversy in the field of nutritional science, that the most significant studies corroborate each other properly and show the same data, and that is a diet rich in a variety of colorful plant material has a powerful effect to extend human lifespan. I'm gonna go over some of those principles now. All right, so let's get started. Food gives us nutrients. Calories, of course, is a nutrient. The calories are called macronutrients, fat, carbohydrate, and protein. And what I'm saying here is that in the Western world, particularly in America, we eat too many macronutrients. We eat too much fat, too much carbohydrate, and too much protein. And the extra calories we eat shortens lifespan. We're at the same time, we're ubiquitously deficient in micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals. So let's divide food into, th food into three categories. Processed foods like pasta, bread, salad oil, mayonnaise, donuts, cookies, crackers, rice cakes, breakfast stars, chips, and soft drinks, you know, processed foods. And they don't have any micronutrients. They're just macronutrients, just calories. Empty calories without a significant micronutrient load ages us and creates disease. And then we have animal products. Now, animal products are rich in protein and fat, but they don't contain any antioxidants and phytochemicals. And even among the 36 nutrients the U.S. government keeps track of, they're relatively low in most, mi most micronutrients. So I'm saying here, to start out, that animal products, like a piece of chicken, is like a bagel. Now, why is an animal a piece of chicken like a bagel? Because they're both sources of macronutrients, which we're getting too much of with no significant micronutrient load, keeping us deficient, eating foods that are, that are keeping us deficient in these longevity, immune-supporting, anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory micronutrients that determine our health. It's the micronutrient density of your cells that determines the, how slow you're aging and whether your body is disease-resistant or not. So I'm saying here that, of course, the third category is produce and the most powerful food to extend human lifespan are vegetables. A nutritarian diet is a vegetable-based diet. It's not a grain-based diet. It's not a fruit-based diet. It's not a potato-based diet or a rice-based diet, like a macrobiotic diet. It's a vegetable-based diet. And what vegetables? Well, the more variety of different foods in our diet, different types of foods, the better health we get. I'm saying that in the modern world, particularly in the United States, we have this unprecedented history the unprecedented opportunity in history to be able to have access to healthy or organic fruits and vegetables and beans and nuts all year round. We can get lettuce in the wintertime. We can get frozen blueberries. We can get nuts and seeds. We can get beans in a, you know, in a, in a, and dried beans. We, we have access to all this great food and we don't have to have heart attacks and strokes and cancers. We can have excellent health if we chose to focus our diet on these protective foods. So I want you to memorize these five words because these five words are the most proven methodology to slow aging and extend human lifespan. And I could say, not only is it the most proven methodology, I could say it's the only proven methodology to slow aging and extend human lifespan. In other words, where one study corroborates another, whether it's done on primates or animals or humans, here's the five words to slow aging and extend human lifespan. 
moderate, moderate caloric restriction in the context of micronutrient excellence. So those are the five words, moderate caloric restriction with micronutrient excellence. And I'm representing that by this equation, H equals N over C, which means how healthy you are in your later years, how long you live, your healthy life expectancy, the quality of your life in the last 10 years of your life, your, your health span and your play span, we can really enjoy your life, is dependent on the micronutrient bang per caloric buck. This is the first principle of the nutritarian diet. So I'm saying about half of what we eat feeds our needs, and the other half of what we eat feeds the needs of our doctors and makes us sick. It sounds like a joke, and it seems like an exaggeration, but it's not even an exaggeration because Americans are consuming about double the calories that humans need. Even if we look at primitive societies, even look at you know what, what, how much calories are consumed in, in rural parts of the world, like rural China, we find that the average people are consuming about 1,600 calories a day, and the average American is consuming about 32 to 3,400 uh, 3, calories a day. It's, it's just crazy. And they're driven to overeat. They become addicted to overeating because they're eating... Um, they're getting, eat, getting so much concentrated calories that enter the bloodstream so rapidly. In other words, what I'm saying right now is that when you eat a diet with a high N over C ratio, with a lot of nutrients and a lot of fiber, it naturally suppresses the appetite and makes you desire the right amount of calories. When you eat a diet with calories without any nutrient load, it makes you into a calorie consuming monster and you're not satisfied with a lower amount of calories. So what I'm saying here is that two things. One is when you eat foods who's, who have a high caloric rush, I call them fast foods because the calories enter the bloodstream very rapidly, like white flour. White flour is a sugar equivalent. So when you're eating pasta and pizza and burgers and hot dogs and bagels, the white flour rushes into the bloodstream the same as if you had a sugar cube glucose into the bloodstream rapidly. If you were out there in the forest or the jungle eating fruits and vegetables, you can't get that many calories in the blood at one time. You're putting the calories in the, in the digestive tract and the human stomach is only the liter or so. You can't fit more than like 400 to 500 calories of natural foods in there. But then those calories absorb slowly and you get maybe about 100 calories into the blood every hour. But when you're eating processed foods, particularly oils and high glycemic carbohydrate, you can get 400 calories into the bloodstream all at once. And that high surge of calories, particularly fats and oils in the blood, stimulates the dopamine centers in the brain. The high caloric surge acts like opiates, like cocaine. And over time, the brain becomes dopamine insensitive and more dependent on having bigger dopamine hits and being, you get addicted to the high caloric rush and you're not satisfied with eating a, you know, a salad and a bowl of vegetable bean soup and an apple for dessert. That wouldn't satisfy you. You need something heavier. You're too acclimated and your brains become accustomed to get a big caloric load and you gotta have that candy or the, you know, you gotta have a mouthful of dates or you gotta have a, you know, something heavy, some fried food or some, you know, some more concentrated calories to feel like you're really satisfied. And it drives people to, to feel fatigued. It drives people, they don't keep digesting food and keep themselves eating all the time. They feel wiped out. 
So it disconnects people to the instinctual drive to know how much to eat. And the only way to disconnect that drive and to get comfortably eating the right amount of calories is by eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of natural foods, and enforced abstinence from those addictive foods that we're talking about, predominantly oils, processed carbohydrates, and concentrated animal products with high caloric densities. So what I'm saying here is that we control the speed of our aging process. We can rev up our metabolic engine by more than more calories, and we take in more calories, the furnace will burn brighter, we'll speed up the metabolism, our thyroid will raise, our, we'll try to burn those extra calories, our body temperature will rise up, trying to burn those extra calories, our respiratory quotient, the calories burned through breathing will increase, we'll overwhelm, we eat extra calories, the body will resist the weight gain and try to burn them off. But in trying to burn them off, we're making this pact with a devil because we're shortening our stem cells, we're aging and shortening our telomeres. In other words, our immune function and our body's biological mechanisms that live with us to protect us in later life are burned up and used up. The stem cells are needed to replace aging cells and to replenish tissue that's injured or damaged. But those cells won't be around when we need them because we've, we've burned up and we're aging fast and we've run our metabolic engine higher. So what I'm saying is extra calories really plays a big role in the aging and disease causation process. And when a person is 30 pounds overweight, they just didn't eat 30 pounds of extra food. They ate more than 60 pounds of extra food. In other words, the, when they ate extra calories, half the calories went to speed up their metabolism, to age them faster. And the other half, which they couldn't get rid of, they couldn't burn off, stored fat on their body. So this person just didn't eat a little amount of extra calories of 30 pounds overweight. They ate tons of extra calories the body didn't need. Their amount of calories they're thinking they need are way off because they're not eating the right kind of foods and they can't diet because diets don't work because they try to cut back on calories without improving the nutritional quality of what they're eating and they're just going to get more drives to overeat. So when we take in high nutrient food, lots of green vegetables, and I have this acronym, G-BOMBS, which stands for these six foods with the most powerful anti-cancer effects, according to the scientific literature, the most data to show longevity promoting and cancer protection effects. So the G-BOMBS stands for greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. And the Nutritarian Diet puts together a dietary portfolio which includes all these foods every day, other foods too, of course, but tries to get all these highly cancer protective foods in your body every day to maximize human immune function and slow age. So this lower calorie, high nutrient intake can not just slow aging, but fix damage, suppress genetic alterations that could lead to disease or cancer. Scientists call it gene silencing. Our, we're not we are not the product of our genes. We are the product of what we eat because our genes mutate, change, and adjust to match what we eat. Our genes are the product of what we eat. And then gene expression becomes who we, becomes who we are. So if you want to repair damage from things that you've done unhealthily in the past, the key is to flood your body with the right nutrients while losing weight at the same time which increases the nutrient concentration in your cells. And that's the trick. 
So I'm saying here, increased calories, increases the aging process, increases the risk of death, and moderate caloric restriction, not extreme caloric restriction. When you calorically restrict too much, then people obsess about food and wind up binging and going on diets and binging again and going and gaining weight back and losing and they don't. So we're trying to get people to be consistent, moderately caloric restricted. So they gravitate towards their ideal weight and stay there for the rest of their life and doing that with high nutrient food, eating foods, with lots of vegetables. And we're saying here that you're doing this by eating, let's say a salad every day for lunch, a bowl of vegetable bean soup for lunch, through a piece of fruit with each meal, you know, cooked vegetables in a wok for dinner. And don't forget that the American diet gets its fat from mostly animal fats and oils, you know, safflower oil, canola oil, sun, sun, soybean oil. The nutritarian diet gets its fat from whole foods like nuts and seeds and avocado. That's a huge difference because when you get your fat from nuts and seeds and avocado and not from oils, the calories don't flood the body real fast. They come in slowly, little bit at a time, and the body can preferentially burn them for energy and not store it as fat. But the main thing is when you're having oils, the calories, so many calories flood the bloodstream at once that you come, become addicted to a high caloric load and oils drive overeating behavior. So we're talking about a nutritarian diet being rich in vegetables and not low in fat, but low in oil and animal fats, because the type of fat we're eating are the fats contained in nuts and seeds, which are also high in fiber, high in protein, high in polyphenols and sterols and stanols and lignans. They also have a lot of anti-cancer and a lot of cardioprotective ingredients in nuts and seeds. So more green vegetables in the diet, less DNA methylation defects. We can track DNA methylation defects that accumulate in cells to tell us that a cell is becoming abnormal, sickly, and cancer-prone. And we know that studies on people on more, eating more green vegetables prevent the methylation defects that lead to cancer. For example, in the Fiji Island studies, the Fiji Islanders smoke a lot, but they don't get much lung cancer compared to the Hawaiian Islanders who smoke less but don't eat as many green vegetables and therefore get more lung cancer. So green vegetables are our primary you could say, food that fuels the growth of the immune system, especially the intraepithelial lymphocytes that surround the digestive tract. Those are fueled by the consumption of green vegetables. Green vegetables are a necessary food, food for primates and humans. Without them, we can't be normal. So I say, if you don't like green vegetables, you better live close to a hospital because you can't be healthy without exposure to green vegetables. And that includes both raw vegetables as well as cooked green vegetables to increase the amount eaten. So I want you to memorize these 10 or 12 words. And let me give you the 10 or 12 words I want you to write down and memorize. I want you to write and memorize that says that raw vegetables has the most consistent and powerful association with the reduction of cancers of all types. In other words, here's a study documenting that, but I've reviewed hundreds of studies that show the same thing, put them together, reviewing more than 200 studies showing that raw vegetables have the most consistent and powerful association with the reduction of cancers of all types. So do you eat a big salad every day? Because even lettuce is a superfood. The lettuce is low in oxalic acid, means the calcium is all bioavailability. It's the richest source of sulfoquinivose, which fuels the growth of good bacteria in the gut. 
And by mixing lettuce with some cruciferous greens like cabbage, bok choy, kale, arugula, and putting some red onion or scallion in there, you've gotten that trifecta, that combination of the most powerful anti-cancer substances in the, in the human diet. Lettuce, cruciferous greens, with some of that allium family, right? The onion family, the raw, and, and those raw foods chewed very well means the enzymes being crushed, the cell wall being crushed, releasing those enzymes in the mouth, produces all these anti-inflammatory compounds and the isothiocyanates, the ITCs from the green vegetables that improve immune function, gene silence abnormal genes and create the expression of, of this, these anti-aging proteins that, we'll, that we can talk about later. All right, so vegetables protect against cancer, they support immune function, they reduce inflammation, and they protect against heart attack and stroke. And green vegetables in particular accelerate the reversal of heart disease and diabetes when people are, have eaten poorly the first half of their lives. Now, many people don't understand all the particular studies, more every coming every year, and the high degree of corroboration between one study and another. Corroboration means that all these studies show a dramatic reduction in all-cause mortality for people eating nuts and seeds in their diet every day. And whether it's people on a, on a um, including animal products in their diet, flexitarians eating a little bit of animal products, pescatarians or, or, um, or vegans, in all cohorts that the inclusion of nuts and seeds show dramatic increase in lifespan and about a 40% reduction in cardiovascular death. So it's an amazing amount. There's no food that shows as much protection against heart attack deaths as does eating nuts and seeds. Now, in the physician's health study, they tried to determine what was the mechanism via which nuts and seeds prevent, life, prevent cardiac death. And they found that it was associated with a 60% reduction in sudden cardiac death caused by irregular heartbeats. And that diets too low in fat can interfere with calcium ion channel um, function in the heart. So the myocytes don't behave properly and diets too low in fat can increase risk of irregular heartbeat leading to a sudden cardiac death. So we know now from many different studies that when people are attempting to, with diabetes or high blood pressure, the heart disease, to move to a healthier diet, if they try to take out all the fat by cutting back on nuts, they're not gonna have as predictable, a favorable outcome as if the diet included more variety and increase and get some of the healthy fats in their diet from nuts and seeds. So nuts and seeds also have sterols and stanols that bind oxidized LDL, which is the bad actor causing inflammation and clots and heart attacks. And Here's a meta-analysis, you know, with more than 44,000 debt that's corroborating this. And in the Seventh-day Adventist Health Study 2 cohort, which is such a critical study in the history of human nutrition, and the reason it's such a critical and important study in human history is because they're, in the Seventh-day Adventist studies, they have people that are vegans and near-vegans and non-vegans they can compare against each other. And they can see, well, is the benefit of nuts and seeds just from eating them instead of eating meat? Or the benefits really from including them in a diet that doesn't have enough nuts and seeds in it. And we find that nuts and seeds have an independent variable in all cohorts to extend human lifespan. So here's a, you know, the pie chart of the American diet eating 2% vegetables. You know, I call it this diet 
is a diet designed by Al-Qaeda to kill people, because obviously this is not the way the human body has been designed. We're a vegetable dependent animal and our diet can't be based on oils and refined grains and animal products. It has to be based around natural whole plant foods. So the second principle of the vegetarian diet has to do with it being hormonally favorable, which I've alluded to already, because we're talking here about the fact that high glycemic carbohydrates, not just animal products, but high glycemic carbohydrates like white flour and white rice and even white potato to a degree, because diet's too high in those high glycemic carbohydrates are, inc are linked to increased risk of breast cancer, colon cancer, and prostate cancer. So we know that when we gain weight, we become insulin resistant, which means fat on the body inhibits the uptake of insulin by the cells and distorts the insulin receptor. And sat eating saturated fat from animal products has a powerful effect at inhibiting insulin activity. So then when you eat something like a piece of fruit, your glucose goes up higher because you have gained weight. But the point I'm making here is that these high glycemic carbohydrates get into the bloodstream very rapidly and combining that risk with weight gain, you have a higher insulin response and the higher insulin response, the higher circulating insulin response is a cancer promoter and promotes the aging process. So what I'm saying right now is that in order to have a low insulin response and respond to carbohydrates, we have to keep ourselves relatively thin, which means a male has to, body fat should be below 15% and a female's body fat should be below 25%. As your body fat goes above for a, fem for a male above 15 and a woman for above 25, as it goes a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher, you, you're in a pre-diabetic state because you have higher levels of insulin. Your glucose may be perfectly normal because your body's just producing extra insulin. It's not for years of being the beta cells being overworked that the glucose, that, this, that the insulin production starts to poop down, poop out a little bit, and the glucose level starts to rise. I'm saying all overweight people are pre-diabetic because they all have excessive insulin production. And I'm saying there's no such thing as a healthy overweight person because when you're overweight, you're producing more estrogen and your estrogen testosterone ratio is off. And when you're overweight, you're producing more insulin. And when you're overweight, fat cells produce more pro-inflammatory compounds like cytokines and lipokines, which interfere with immune function, throw more waste products into the body, and age you faster and increase risk of cancer. So eating healthfully, eating the right foods and eating the right amount of foods are basic principles that people have to realize that we can't escape from. We can't escape from the biological laws of cause and effect. And unfortunately, fortunately we are what we eat and we can control our health destiny. So we're saying here that high glycemic load foods are linked to cancers and heart attacks and the insulin resistance is a negative factor and body fat, and particularly eating saturated fat, like the fats from animal products, which then also produce gram negatives, and more animal protein means more production of bacteria in the gut that produces more pro-inflammatory bacteria, especially gram negatives, and produces factors like TMAO, trimethylamine oxide, which then as an inflammatory substance increases the risk of heart attack and cancer. Now, the other thing is, is that when we eat more beans in the diet, and if we score carbohydrates on a hierarchical scale of quality, we find that peas, lentils, and beans have more anti-cancer um, substances in them. They have more nostalpenticus phosphate, which, is a, which, which the immune system uses to identify and kill abnormal cells. And they have more resistant starch 
and slowly digestible starches, which means we're getting a lot of, we're getting the carbohydrate we're getting from beans, do not raise the glucose level in the blood. They keep it lower, they're lower glycemic, and the carbohydrate in beans produce more production of beneficial bacteria in the gut, and they don't respond, we don't require a high insulin response. So beans, lentils, and peas have the most slowly digestible carbohydrates, and they also have the most resistant starch. Now, resistant starch is resistant to enzymatic degradation, which means that the resistant starch doesn't enter the body as calories. About 90% of those calories pass through and go into the toilet bowl. So you feel satiated and you feel like you ate the food, but then the calories never come in. So they're a very favorable food for a person looking to lose weight. And they're also great foods for us athletes who want extra protein and extra strength. And they sustain people to not to want to keep eating it all the time and not to want to snack all day. What I'm saying right now is when you eat green vegetables, which are high in protein, when you eat nuts and seeds, which are high in protein and fat, but slowly absorbed, and when you eat beans, and you eat those three foods in the same meal, it's very satiating. And with, with 400 of calories or 400 to 500 calories, you can go for five hours without feeling you need, need to eat again. It keeps people sustainably feeling satisfied because the, these nutrients are slowly absorbable and keep the body evenly fueled. And they give the body rich in protein. So in, in other words, we get a lot of plant protein from these foods because we're trying to avoid animal protein because animal protein has a, a very different response. When you eat animal protein to get a protein, it produces insulin-like growth factor one too high, excessive production of IGF-1, which then also promotes cellular replication. And like insulin, promotes angiogenesis and is one of the ingredients in the witch's cauldron of cancer causation. So lower levels of IGF-1 in the blood extends lifespan and more sugar and white flour in the body in the diet also increases IGF-1. But the most powerful factor pushing up IGF-1 are animal products and dairy products. That's why the countries around the world that eat the most dairy have the most breast cancer, for example. But in any case, plant protein doesn't raise IGF-1 to dangerous levels. It just gets it up to the level where it should be and doesn't continue to push it excessively. But animal protein, when you have extra calories that are high biological protein, the body can't convert it as easily into fat and burn it as energy as easily. It more readily converts it to hormone, which then drives muscle growth and fat growth and produces excessive growth in the human body, which then leads to cancer, cancer, um, cancer cells to proliferate. So it's one of those ingredients that permissively allows cancer cells to glean a blood supply and to spread and metastasize. So IGF-1 breast cancer, really well accepted pool data from various studies, IGF-1 and prostate cancer, the most common cancers, you have always have IGF-1 present. In other words, animal protein is a necessary ingredient to drive these cancers. And the same thing true with these studies on cardiovascular disease and on higher animal protein diets. Here's a particular study with, with hundreds of thousands of people included, following them for many decades to look at the hard endpoint of death. In other words, these studies have more credence because we're following people for decades with large numbers, seeing how long they live and what they die of. And here we're seeing cardiovascular events and cardiovascular deaths being in a dose-dependent relationship 
being related to higher animal products from a zero on a vegan diet to a 20 to an Atkins or a, or a type of carnivore or a paleo diet for the most animal products to the least. We see every step of the way increased risk of heart attacks as people increase more animal products in their diet. And we're now in the, in the year, you know, we had it in 2014 and 2016 and 2018, 2021 and 2023. Every two years, we've seen more and more studies. What we're studying diets where um, the researchers are modulating the protein, either giving more plant protein from beans and nuts or greens and giving more animal protein from meats and chickens and fish and eggs. And we see that as animal protein goes up, people have shorter lifespan. So here's a, a study showing an increased risk of death for people with a higher protein group compared to the lower protein group. And then we have later studies, of course, years following up. Here's a study in 2018 showing a 25-year follow-up, showing more animal protein, more death, more plant protein, longer lifespan. And the, here's an, and the reason why these studies are so important and so critical is because people can argue that, oh, meat's not so bad because here's a study where people cut back on meat and there wasn't more definitively more deaths. Well, they cut back on meat, but they ate more chicken instead. And switching meat to chicken doesn't lead to switch a better outcome. So almost all the studies that we look at, you know, if we look up a research and going, you know, modulating red meat intake or modulating meat intake to see how much you can live longer, you don't show much benefits because they didn't substitute beans or nuts or vegetables for meat. They substituted chicken for meat. That's why they didn't show a lot of benefits. But these studies done that I'm demonstrating here are studies when they reduced animal protein and modulated plant protein for meat. They didn't put chicken in place of meat. They put beans and nuts in place of meat. So it's all depending on what's the, what, are the, what are you substituting for the meat? And we find that all types of animal proteins, you know, including fish, when you substitute beans and nuts, you get dramatic increase in longer lifespan. And the most early life deaths with people who had, who had um, the most carbohydrate restriction, the most keto-like diets with the most animal protein in them. So this is 2018, but the studies continue to, to accumulate, showing the same thing. And that is when we eat a diet rich in phytochemicals, so this is a review slide, when you eat a diet rich in phytochemicals and you exercise regularly and you're a favorable body weight, which leads to, because of moderate caloric restrictions, you're not eating more calories than the body needs, then we fuel, maximally fuel and develop these longevity proteins like CERT1 and AMP kinase that create, that prevent inflammation maintain the telomeres and the stem cells for use in later life and slow the aging process. But when we eat more animal protein, more low more high glycemic carbohydrates, or just take in excessive calories and put fat on the body, then we produce more pro-inflammatory substances. We activate cancer-promoting genes. We raise the risk of angiogenesis, which means blood, blood cells now grow to fuel the growth of cancer cells, deliver oxygen and nutrients to cells that are replicating and growing. And mTOR is elevated in 100% of invasive cancers. So we know how to activate and turn on invasive cancers. We just give people more animal protein and high glycemic carbohydrates, like a pizza or a burger or a ham and cheese sandwich or macaroni and cheese. We know how to turn cancer on. And we know how to turn it off. We can twist it on or turn it off by giving people more vegetables, beans, nuts, and seeds. And, and in other words, more plant food variety and reduce these factors. And we know that cruciferous vegetables and green vegetables are the food in longevity studies that, have, that are linked to people who will live to be 100 years old. 
And your longevity is somewhat controlled by the green vegetables you eat and with no threshold effect. And the world, the word threshold effect means, you know, mushrooms are particularly increase longevity and prevent cancer, but there's a threshold. You don't need meat to more than half a cup of mushrooms. Once you eat a quarter of a cup of half of them, you get the maximum effect. You don't need two cups of mushrooms to get the benefits. You're getting no extra benefit from two cups over a half a cup. Same thing with other foods like tomatoes. Have a half a cup of tomato sauce. Having two cups is not going to benefit you more. But not with green vegetables, not with cruciferous vegetables. So the studies on those foods show when you go from one cup to two cups, you get more benefits. And when you go from two cups to three cups, you get even more benefits. You go from three cups to four cups of green vegetables, you get even more benefits. So in other words, it demonstrates how inherent or how native green vegetables are to humans, to primates. Because green vegetables are the primary fuel to grow the immune system. And the immune system grows, these intraepithelial lymphocytes grows in the villi of the small intestines and supported by the growth of these factors in green vegetables. Here you can see on the left, the, the um, aerohydrocarbon activity being activated by green vegetable substances in green vegetables. And there on the right, immune system atrophy, exposing a risk to viruses, bacteria, and even toxic and infectious agents when we don't have green vegetables in the diet. So I know I'm going rapidly here, but I wanna give you a chance to answer questions. And I, I, I want you to get the most important highlights here in this brief presentation. And I'm saying here that we want to eat nutritional variety. The WHEEL study, Women's Healthy Eating and Living Study, looking at breast cancer in women, showed that vegetables showed the most protection against breast cancer. But women who ate fruits plus vegetables showed more protection against cancer than just fruit vegetables alone. Just like women who eat beans and nuts and fruit and vegetables have more protection. That we're showing that the more variety of various exposure to various types of plant foods increases our protection. But more green vegetables, more beans, and more nuts and seeds is the hallmark of a nutritarian diet because it gives us more protein bioavailability with aging because our bioavailability or ability to digest protein goes down with aging. And we don't want to have to overeat calories. We want to eat the right amount of calories and still get sufficient protein to maintain excellent muscle and bone mass. And that's what these studies have been showing. And more greens, more beans, more nuts and seeds in the diet means dramatic lowering of the glycemic load, helping assist diabetic, reversing heart disease and diabetic parameters, having people being satisfied with the right amount of calories. They don't just lose weight, but they're comfortable eating that diet with those amount of calories and keeping weight off permanently because they can stay with that diet forever. So this nutritarian pyramid has vegetables at the bottom. It's not a grain-based diet. And people should be greatly restricting or eliminating animal products and oils. So a nutritarian uses little or no oil, better off with no oil, and little or no animal products, better off none, but eats a wide variety of high-nutrient plants. And we don't eat empty-calorie foods that strip our nutrient reserves, like sugar, sweeteners, white flour, processed foods, fast foods, and fried foods, because those foods are particularly, you could say, damaging. And I don't even call them food. White flour, bagel, or Italian bread, they're not food because they don't contain nutrients to sustain life. They strip the body of nutrients and the body can't even convert it into energy effectively. It has to shunt it into fat storage because you don't have, it doesn't contain the cofactors, the vitamins and minerals that you need to make it into energy. So it's shunted into fat, fat storage while it leaves you feeling fatigued and wanting more food, wanting more calories. And you build up more metabolic waste products that make you feel fatigued and wanting to overeat all the time. You can't stop eating now. So these foods, these empty calorie foods, which means they're high in calories, but low in nutrients. 
That's the key. That drives overeating behaviors and drives obesity. So the prescription here, the daily nutritarian prescription is, are you eating at least half a cup of beans a day? Because that really has tremendous effects on lifespan. Are you eating three fresh fruits a day and including berries in your diet? Do you eat at least an ounce and a half of nuts and seeds a day? Because in the, the Seventh-day Adventist Health Study 2, those in the first, the lowest quintile of nut and seed consumption, eating a half an ounce or less, had a 30% overall risk of death and a 40% increased risk of cardiovascular death compared to those in the highest quintile eating more than an ounce and a half a day. So even people who are overweight, we still give them about a half an ounce of nuts and seeds with each meal. And they're still eating between 1,200 and 1,600 calories a day based on their needs, but they're feeling satisfied with that amount of calories. And, and the eating of the nuts and seeds keeps them more satiated. Do you eat one big salad a day? Are you eating a big salad every day, at least once a day, and you're chewing it very well? Do you eat steamed, blanched, or wok greens every day? Are you eating cooked vegetables, greens on top of your raw vegetables? Or are you eating a lot of mixture of different types? And are you eating some mushrooms and onions every day, and particularly eating some onions or scallion raw on your salad? And don't forget a nutritarian uses nuts and seeds as a source of salad dressings. So we don't put oil in vinegar, we put nuts and seeds in vinegar. In other words, I might make a salad dressing from tomato sauce with roasted garlic and almonds and black fig vinegar or peeled or navel oranges with toasted sesame seeds, cashews and blood orange vinegar and a squeeze of lemon. In other words, the dressings are made with nuts and seeds, the sauces, the desserts. We're not using oil and sweeteners. We're using fruit and nuts to flavor things and create incredibly delicious recipes. Okay, so we're talking here about dramatically increasing not just how old, long people live, but increasing the quality of their life. Because most people in America living between 75 and 80 years old have a decreased quality of life. They're on medications, they don't have good mental, they lose their mental and physical faculties. But a nutritarian diet is not like a blue zone. Blue zones extend lifespan maybe six to eight years, but a nutritarian diet gives us the ability to live a normal lifespan between 97 and 107 years old, where people should be living and eating healthfully, and to have a, a high, healthy life expectancy where their full physical and mental capacity as we live a long and healthy life. So this opportunity is yours, and I hope you take advantage of it and learn as much as you can and continue to pursue nutritional excellence and be happy and healthy and live a great long life. Okay, thanks, you guys. I'll open it up for questions now. Well, what a wonder, wonderful presentation. Thank you so much. We, we have a number of people who love hearing your presentation, who appreciate all your work, and we have some very specific questions that, that I'm going to share with you. Um, well, here's, here's one. Um, Rochelle is wanting to know about tofu and IGF-1 and whether organics makes a difference. Well, you know... Um, I think organic does make a difference in every food. In other words, the pesticides do play a role in, we call it, you know, these endogenous, I'm sorry, these exogenous poisons and chemicals we take in our, in our body, you know, they call them xenobiotics, accumulate in people's bodies, particularly from fish, by the way. Fish is very high in toxic compounds. And we're finding that people who eat more fish and more especially bivalves like clams and oysters and scallops and, and shellfish have more BMAA, increasing risk of Parkinson's dementia syndrome, and even um, ALS or because we're exposed to these chemicals coming off of um, cyanobacteria that grow on algae that are consumed by bottom feeders. 
So yes, um, we're trying to reduce our exposure to toxins as well. So I don't recommend people eat food that's used on Roundup and and um, you know and have glyphosate on it, you know, and use these um, chemical. Um, so I do recommend people eat, eat most of their diet organic as much as they possibly can. And and it's better for the environment and better for the farmers and it's protective. So I do recommend we eat, eat organic vegetables and and soybeans and wheat. And when we're, when we're eating like whole wheat berries or fresh corn or soy, it's important to get it organic. Now, um, isolated soy protein has such a high protein concentration, it could raise IGF-1 like meat does. So I don't recommend people get um, those fake meats made with isolated soy protein or use isolated soy protein as a protein supplement. I do not recommend that. But tofu, tempeh, and soy milk are not made from isolated soy protein, and they do not raise IGF-1 unfavorably, used in moderate amounts. The most um, anti-cancer soy product is still a soybean, like an edamame or a dried soybean made into a soup or a chili. So still we're trying to get people to eat whole foods, but you can use some amount of tofu or soy milk, which are made from soy milk, but the first, um, not the whole bean. But if you possibly can, use some of the whole bean and recognize that it's a variety of beans we want in our diet. And when you're eating a variety of beans, you're not eating all soy, you're eating lentils and chickpeas and azuki beans and red kidney beans and soybeans. And it's a variety of beans that gives us the best health. So soy is okay to be included in that variety and it has, pro, it has beneficial effects to extend lifespan and it has anti-estrogenic effects on breast tissue, has dramatic protection against breast cancer and prostate cancer. So it's a good food. Beautiful. Here, here's another question having to do with uh, fruits and cruciferous vegetables. The body digests fruits easier than cruciferous vegetables. And then uh, JJ goes on to say, should we juice vegetables or is it important to eat them whole to get all the benefits? You know, you get the most, it's, it's okay to juice them. And I sometimes add vegetable juices to people who are newbies. They're coming into this diet brand new and maybe they're trying to reverse a disease like headaches, chronic mental, fo mental fog, depression, they have an autoimmune disease, or they have you know, some early stage cancers, and I wanna get the nutrients into their body faster. So I add you know, vegetables, I give them a, a juice that has cruciferous greens from bok choy and, and lettuce and cucumber and celery and beet and carrot. I give them this try, this try three part juicing, you know, and I get, but, but it's not necessary for people who are eating a healthy diet long-term to be juicing. It's just mostly to get the nutrients up when people are starting out, because I wanna tell you, I wanna speed up the process of healing, let's say. But in any case, let me just say that you get the most benefit when you actually chew the vegetable really along well in your mouth. Because when you're breaking open the cell walls and mixing it with your, and, and opening up the myrosinase, forming these beneficial compounds in your mouth, you're also mixing it with oral bacteria. And you form more nitric oxide and more anti-inflammatory compounds. And it's also good for your teeth and your gums and your oral health as well. And it's better also for the health of the bacteria in the digestive tract. So the best thing to do is if you can eat a big salad every day and we chop up the salad with like a rolling, you know, do we chop it up and then we eat the chopped salad. So we have a, a lot of raw greens and we, and I tell all the people who are eating at the retreat, you know, it's okay. It's socially acceptable to remind each other to chew better and be mindful that we're trying to chew the salad into a liquid in our mouth as if we're putting it in the Vitamix or a blender, we're trying to liquefy the food. So it's okay to juice or to blend, but it's best to eat it salad that you really chew 
and you chew it super well. That's the best thing you can do. Dr. Furman, I, I'd like to ask you about your retreat. I've, I've heard some amazing stories. Can you share some of some of the experiences people have and the kinds of uh, remarkable and miraculous recoveries that you witnessed and help people experience? Sure. And you know, the main thing is, is that many hundreds of thousands of people have done this on their own through reading books, watching videos, you know, getting support on the internet. And you don't necessarily have to come to my retreat to do this, obviously. But, but some people, for some reason, just can't do this on their own. They're so addicted to food. They just keep messing up and going back to eating unhealthy again. And when those people come and stay with us for a few months, it makes a real difference in their life. Because by, by staying here and learning the recipes and being forced to eat this way, it retrains their taste muscle. And they start to have enough time away from these addictive triggers and it makes it so when they leave, they can stay with the diet long term without the recidivism and without the constantly going back and forth that we're doing before. So we really do feel, my wife and I do feel a lot of self-reward and satisfaction because we really feel we're changing people's lives and we've saved people's lives who've come to our retreat. And they've come times sometimes with very serious conditions. People who've just had heart attacks, who have heart failure, are told they need urgent angioplasty. I remember one guy who was in the hospital in Nashville and the doctor wanted to put a stent in, and it wasn't an emergency stent. He just had a heart attack, but he was putting in a, because he had some blockage. And I said, don't put a stent in, just fly out, come right into our retreat. And he couldn't, he couldn't even walk like a half a block without panting and getting out of having chest pain. By the time he left three months later, he was hiking up mountains. And, you know, and then I've followed up on these people, you know, decade, you know, five years later, and they're in great health and, and they lost their weight and they've got their health back. And people, you know, come in on 80 units of insulin a day. And within, within two weeks, they're non-diabetic. And, they, and we usually can stop their insulin the first week or two. But usually, I'm, sometimes in the first week, but usually in the first two weeks, they're off their insulin. But we're talking about when the asthmatics get better so they can breathe at night and their disease goes away. When the people with fibromyalgia and other tissue diseases like mixed connective tissue disorder or psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, we're talking about it's not just losing weight and getting rid of high blood pressure, heart disease, and diabetes. It's also recovering from pain. You know, when people come here because they can't walk, or they have bad knees, they have bad hips, bad backs, bad ankles, and we feed them white, we lose weight, and we do physical therapies on them too. You know, we align their feet, we give them a shockwave machine to get their muscles, we do some modern technology to increase healing in the joints, and we regenerate, rejuvenate their body so they can live, they can start walking, hiking, enjoying life again. So we really... We like enjoy what we do because we love to see that transformation in people from not really living life to getting back to a fully living and a, a, a rewarding life again. That's beautiful. Um, on a separate note here, uh, we have a question about cardiovascular disease and eating nuts and seeds. So should people with cardiovascular disease still be eating nuts and seeds? Well, I tried to mention that in this presentation, like I deal with all my presentations, because I think it's really damaging and hurtful to people to be taking nuts and seeds out of their diet when they have heart disease, advanced heart disease, it increases the risk of sudden cardiac death. And it's a myth based on you know one or two small studies. We have large studies from around the world. And my experience has been, I've published data on, on reversal of heart disease, utilizing judicious amounts of nuts and seeds in the diet, showing just as good or better results and just because you can reverse heart disease in a diet not as good doesn't mean we should put a diet 
that restricts nuts and seeds, which also has certain, which increases risk of other problems, particularly irregular heartbeats, like atrial fibrillation and, 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 um, and even sudden cardiac death. So I'm saying that cardiovascular reversal without nuts and seeds affords you an increased risk compared to using small amounts of nuts and seeds in the diet, like an ounce and a half a day. We're not talking about people snacking and overeating on them and gaining weight. We're talking about maintaining weight loss and a person on a nutritarian diet, if they're overweight, losing at least two pounds a week. If they're not losing at least two pounds a week, they're doing something wrong. So yes, they can still eat nuts and seeds because if they don't eat nuts and seeds, they're not gonna act maximally absorb the phytochemicals because these anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer phytochemicals are fat dependent, you have fat dependent absorptive channels and the, and the heart cells, the myocytes in the heart are dependent on some fat for to prevent inflammation and normal communication of the heart, of the heart muscle. So yes, it's important to eat some nuts and seeds and the nuts and seeds we're recommending the most or at least half of your nut and seed intake should come from high ALA nut and seed. High ALA are walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds and hemp seeds. So when the recipe calls for cashews, you can take out half the cashews and put in half hemp seeds. And you can use almonds and walnuts. In other words, we're talking about utilizing nuts and seeds to aid in the reversal and the protection of cardiovascular disease. I want to be very clear about that. Beautiful. Um, I, have, I would love for you to help us. So our mission is that uh, to be able to inspire hopeful curiosity. So the main frustration that, that we've all experienced is that we have so many people in our lives, our loved ones, our friends who we care about, who are who are chronically ill. How how do we what what suggestions do you have? How can we help them get curious, help them to to understand that even though it sounds too good to be true, it really is. And and your your diet and how, you know, so so what what can you suggest? How, what kind of conversations? How can we we inspire them to be curious about it? Well, the one most important thing is you've got to be the role model. You've got to walk the walk. If you can't earn, be in good health yourself, you're not going to impress, going to make other people want to take better care of their health either. So that's the first step is you have to shine the light on yourself first. Once you shine the light on yourself first and you're happy and you've learned the recipes and you've learned the um, and you're ex experiencing better health, then you can radiate out goodwill to other people. And the radiation comes from you, you're beaming in happiness and, and, having, and radiating good health. And then the one way you do it is by showing these people love. You know, it's not, you don't attack them. You don't try to convince them in some way that you are, you just try to show them how much you love and care for them and that you can do so by sharing what you've learned. And you say, you know, I, I would love if you could come to my house and you could taste some of these great healthy foods I've tried, that I've, there's new recipes I've tried, because I'm so excited about this, uh, of feeling great. And, sh you know, so it's, it's sharing great tasting recipes. It's telling people how much you love them. It's showing how them that, how better you're feeling, how much it's better made you feel, and you'd love them to share some of this happiness with you. And it's sharing stories of people that, you know, of, you know actually I have like 500 success stories on my website where people, you know, and all these people have recovered and say, you know, look at, you know, we have this opportunity not to have to worry about cancer and heart attacks and the food tastes good. Come and taste it. You know, I love you. You got to try this. And then, and then you continue to have consistent goodwill for this person, whether they do it or they don't, you don't pressure them. You continue to show interest in their life and you, and over time, you never know what's going to happen and what's good for your own health 
It doesn't matter if the person you're trying to um, affect beneficially, it doesn't matter if they do it or not. What affects is the fact that you didn't get your ego involved and you try to have creative goodwill for them. You don't become in involved with a war of words or who's right or who's wrong. You're not trying to be insulted by the, their lack of approval of you. You're just trying to see how you can have creative goodwill for you and feeling good about yourself for the attempt. That's beautiful. Thank you. So, and certainly sharing sharing some of your work and sharing the success stories, like you mentioned, you 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 have all the success stories on your website. I, I'm sure they have to inspire somebody. And you know, it seems to me one of the things that I'm seeing is that all we can do is hope to plant some seeds. So, so plant some seeds, show them some information. And, you know, I, I've heard that it takes, somebody has to hear something eight times. That's human nature. We have to hear about something eight times before we, we start getting curious about it. So by planting seeds, by showing people some of the information you've shared with us, by showing them your success stories, um, th that we can be planting the seeds and we can hope that at some point in their lives, they'll say, well, maybe there is something to it. Maybe I really don't have to be 100 pounds overweight. Maybe I don't have to be on, on a dozen different meds and, and suffer like this because I too can live a happy, healthy, thriving lifestyle. And um, I love you have so many wonderful quotes that I love and I, I share them with people all the time and and live long and die fast is one of my favorites. It's And you've shown it in your slides that we're really designed to live to be about 100 and then die die in our sleep and rather than suffer for decades with, with the chronic diseases that are so popular with in the world and the American culture. Right, you, you hit it on the head. You want to show... Um, the fact that you um, have feelings for other people, you keep trying, you show them success stories, you show them integrity and opportunity, and you show them the food can taste good, and increasing the enjoyment of life, the pleasure of life, and living without fear of disease. And that's whether we can enjoy our later years, really have truly golden years, living without fear to enjoy our lives. Absolutely. So... As we're getting ready to, to end here, Roseanne says, this sounds like the only approach. Love them and do not pressure or disapprove. That, That's the most effective approach. Yes, the most effective. Not the only approach because certainly there are lots of approaches that, that have pushed people away and that haven't worked. So it is the, the most effective approach, yes. Well, with that, thank you so very much. And and uh, I so appreciate you spending time with us. We, we all are so thrilled to have you. We'll be sharing your video. It's on YouTube. Uh, and look forward to, to having more information from you. I'm, I'm impressed with all the studies you've done. Perhaps we can feature some of those studies, feature some of the success stories that, that uh, folks have experienced working with you and learning from you. And I know you've been around for decades. I, I believe that you've, you've set a, a record on PBS for, for fundraising, and that's, that's decades ago. So you've been an influential leader in this space for, for a very long time, and I so appreciate We also appreciate all you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm happy. Looking forward to all those opportunities to help people. Yes. Thank you. And bye, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Bye-bye.